When you think about it, the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. has been severely whitewashed. My name is Michael Eric Dyson. I'm university professor of sociology at Georgetown University, and I'm the author of Tears We Cannot Stop, a sermon to white America. What I mean by that is that we have completely denied the legitimate radical elements of Martin Luther King Jr.'s image, identity, and ideas. We have frozen him in 1963, where he delivered one of the most remarkable speeches in American history, the I Have a Dream speech, that captured the moral aspiration of King. But many people have frozen him there, as if he believed that was an achievement, not an aspiration. As if we had already in America come to a point where we were no longer judging people by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now many conservative white brothers and sisters and many uh, radical uh, right-wingers of all races have attempted to distort Martin Luther King Jr.'s memory, to whitewash him of the social context of his racial ideas. Furthermore, Martin Luther King Jr. was far more radical at the end of his life. Martin Luther King Jr. had more than one speech. Like a great singer, he had more than one album. I Have a Dream is a great hit, is a great song, is a great, if you will, part of his legacy. But he delivered other speeches. He said, I saw my dream turn into a nightmare in another speech. He talked about the violence in American society and the refusal to acknowledge the humanity of black people. He talked about riots as the language of the unheard. He spoke to America the day before he was murdered and said, America, all we ask is that you be true to what you said on paper. He also began to say that most Americans were unconscious racists. He began to challenge the notion that America was a racially blind, racially neutral country, and he began to argue that many Americans would not come to grips with their own racist beliefs, ideas, and practices. That's a much more radical Martin Luther King Jr. than we're used to talking about and listening to, and only when we recover that king will we recover the full dimension of his radical, uh, if you will, position in American letters and certainly in American leadership culture. Happy Monday and welcome back to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen and I am the hostess with the mostest, the captain of the ship and the vanguard that guards these young ladies because they spit fire every single week. So if you would, ladies, if you would introduce yourselves and then we can get into the discussion. So come on, Didi, uh, say hey. Hey, my name is Adia or Didi and I'm a sophomore at Anderson High School. Fantastic. And Melissa? Hi, my name is Melissa. I'm a 14-year-old freshman in Southern California. Welcome back, welcome back. And Ms. Janice. Hi, everybody. My name is Janice. I'm a 14-year-old freshman in Sacramento. Yay. And Lex, say hey, hey, hey. Hi, everyone. My name is Lex. I'm a 17-year-old senior in the Sacramento area. And so for those of you watching us, you see a new face today, and that's because we have Anaya filling in today. So Anaya, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience that is watching? Hi, everyone. My name is Anaya. I'm 15 years old, and I'm in the 10th grade. Awesome. So we, we have everybody except for our juniors. Our juniors are at work today, and that's all good because we can hold it down. 
Just the same. Um, so ladies, before we get into our discussion, our topic this week is bleaching the books. Um, and I know you have a whole lot to say about that, but let's go ahead and cover some stories um, that have come out uh, these past few weeks and we're just getting caught up on them. So uh, Jada, if you would, can you post uh, that first story for us, please? Ahmed Mohammed could be anything he wants. The straight-A student with a 4.7 GPA is already a trailblazer. He's set to become Oakland Tech's first African-American male valedictorian. I was definitely shocked when I when I find, found out. You know, the school is over 100 years old in, in the middle of Oakland. And so I, I'm really surprised that there hasn't been a black male valedictorian before. In addition to that honor, the most prestigious universities in the country, Stanford, Harvard, and Princeton among them, are eagerly awaiting his decision about where he wants to attend school next year. I would have been happy to get accepted into just one of them because, you know, you can only go to one school, but uh, 11 of them, that that's pretty cool. Whoa. <laughs> Shout out to Ahmed Mohammed doing it big down there in Oakland. Um, we don't see enough of that, right? 4.7 GPA, and he's like he was shocked in the school's 100-year history. There has never been a black valedictorian. What say you? Didi? Um, I think it just kind of goes to show that we have not come that far, you know, as people make it seem. But I I'm really proud of him at the end of the day because I know just being a Black student in general, you have to go through a lot um, and still being able to focus on school and all this stuff. So I'm really proud of him. I think sometimes, you know, with all the pain in the world, all police brutality and everything, we need to see, like, a lot more of that, you know, things to celebrate. So, yeah. Melissa? That's so awesome. You know, I have a 4.1 GPA, so 4.7, that I don't even, that's crazy. That's like extraordinary. So I'm super proud of him and he definitely needs to be recognized a lot more. Wow, Janice, I think I saw you trying to unmute. Did, did I catch that right? Yes, I was gonna say like, that is so amazing because oftentimes, especially in areas like Oakland and San Francisco and out here too, like black boys are very undermined. Like they they abuse the black boys. They gonna rough them up before class. But it's just like for him to, I'm sure he's endured some of that, but for him to still get through that and make a 4.7, I'm not talking about no 4.2. Oh boy, got a 4.7. <laughs> like congratulations to you. Like senioritis is real, but he finished it out strong and he got the good grades. Like, come on now, we got to clap it up for him i'm just saying we got to gotta give it up you know gotta gotta pay homage when homages do uh anaya and lex y'all got something you want to add yeah i think this is great i mean like Didi said we need to get that out there that good stories about our black kids because right now all they're seeing is this one side and you know when we flip the switch and be like this is happening but look what y'all are doing you know that's encouraging like we said representation matters so we need more of this out there and props to him because that's amazing Anaya? Yes, like Lex said, we need to share the story more because if other Black students see what he does, they're like, oh, well, if somebody who looks like me accomplished that, maybe I can do the same, and then they might try harder. <laughs> That's what's up. So once again, big shout out to Mr. Ahmed Mohammed, 4.7, uh, extraordinary feat uh, there at Oakland Tech. So congratulations to him. Can you share the next story, please? The details of Michaela's death are still a mystery. Five investigators has learned that the 16-year-old was found hanging from a tree in a wooded area here in mid-April. 
both her mother and investigators say she got into a fight with a group of teens the night before, and her mother says police initially told her that Michaela died by suicide. If they would not have immediately made a conclusion regarding my child's death and did a proper investigation, or did any investigation initially at all, we wouldn't be here. Investigators now say it's not clear how Michaela died. Okay. And we probably should have started with that one. <laughs> but that's okay. We're just going to go through it. So 16-year-old um, found. Um, first, I, I, I saw the story. It said that she was um, strapped to the tree. I, don't, I didn't realize that she was hanging. Um, and they told her mother um, not to report it because then they would out her um, by her sexuality. What say you, Melissa? I saw the story, um, and it's, there's so many missing pieces. Like, I, I need to know more information to be able to even come to a conclusion or have an opinion. It's, it's, first, they said it was suicide. Then they said, oh, now we're not sure. Like, how are you so quick to come to a decision, you know? How could they just, they wanted to say, oh, it's her fault. You know, she's a black student. She's a black girl. Oh, it's her fault and leave it at that. But as you actually open an investigation, you're realizing, oh, there's more components to it. So they should have done that first before trying to come to a quick conclusion and close the case. Well, I think that it's become a kind of like a routine whenever they so-called find black people hanging from trees, they want to label it suicide. Um, what's the danger in that? Um, Didi, what do you think? What's the danger in always so quick to label it? Well, I think when we come to think of this idea, like black people are, you know, like black people are still hanging from cheese at the end of this day. Like, we, have, you know, it's kind of like covering it up and make it seem like black people don't endure stuff. There's not injustice and stuff like that. One, I just think two, like, it's just kind of, I don't know, like it's just always trying to, how do I say, like reiterate, I guess, that black people do not matter because you mm -hmm. do not care to, think about, you know, this person's life to investigate it, to, you know, make it a point to um, try to make sure this doesn't happen again. So, I mean, I think just in the entire, you know, criminal justice system with the police and everything, it's just always emphasizing that black lives do not matter. Um, and I think that's also what we see here when they're trying to be like, oh, it was a suicide. Oh, it was this because it's never a white supremacy problem. It's always a black person's problem at the end of the day. Janice? And I think it's a problem that still occurring. They try and make it seem like we have had so much progress in this nation. Like things are actually, we're seeing light at the end of this tunnel. But at the end of the day, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just y'all are more undercover now because there's cameras out. Like there's more ways for y'all to be out it. So now it's just like, it's just hidden racism. It's like y'all not doing it plain in plain sight now. Now y'all just trying to hide it and cover it up. And it's very sad that the fact that they tried to manipulate the mother into not going public about something that really hurts her heart losing a child is something that no mother could even a, a pain that a mother can't even imagine to deal with and you're sitting here trying to force her to cover up the pain and the death of her daughter and she has no clue about how her daughter died because y'all don't even want to investigate the death of her daughter like it's very sad and it's sickening because at the end of the day this is still happening like what was happening thousands and thousands of years ago is still occurring it's just they're hiding it now they're more secretive with it now and now they don't want us to go public with it so it's like they're doing more for us to try and stay in the dark so people don't know about it now and it's very scary because that could happen to anybody there's there's areas where we drive by and mom will be like you better not go here at night like 
we need to get home. We're going to be here during the day, but then after that, we need to get home before the night's down because there's areas like that, and it's very sad how little girls, especially females our age, we're getting ready to become young women, are getting murdered. Mm -hmm. Anaya, I see you shaking your head. What are your thoughts? I'm just agreeing, and to answer Melissa's question why they didn't have coverage, it's, the only answer I can give is because she's Black. They, they don't care. Like, that's mm -hmm. the easy, easy way out. Oh, it was a suicide. And I've seen this so much. Like, no, she was lynched. She was killed. It wasn't a suicide. Somebody killed her. It wasn't her fault that she's dead. Mm. So I, I, I just have a problem with every, every time they find a Black person hanging, they want to attribute it to suicide when this country has a history of legally lynching Black people. And for some reason, they don't expect us to draw the connection of what happened in the past that wasn't dealt with and how that can translate into here, present time, which is their, the future, right? And so I think that they think that we're stupid um, and that we're just going to go along to get along. And personally, I don't know any Black people who willingly hang themselves from trees. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who has been hung that really wanted to be there. I don't know anybody. And so we have to be careful when we're doing coverage or we're allowing them to be the voice of what's really happening because we already know there are stories that are manipulated on purpose to, like you guys said, blame her for the circumstances of her death. And it's really, really tragic. Were you going to say something else, Didi, before I move on? I was, I was going to say something. Oh, that was you. Okay. Let's Sorry. go to Didi. Go ahead. Um, there is two things I wanted to say. One, touching on the how the media is painting this, I I thought it was really inappropriate how almost every single title had her gender or what she identified as. I was like, first of all, that's a problem because it seems like you're trying to justify what happened, mm -hmm. and none of them said lynching. You know, they said girl was found dead. You know, it's like you guys put the concrete facts and evidence and don't try to devalue her death because of other things like that's very inappropriate. And also with the lynching, I, I have a problem when they call it suicide um, personally, because I feel like they're trying to paint us as not only are we broken physically, but mentally, you know, like we're mentally unstable and we're off the hinges and we're crazy. And you know, what happens when a little girl sees that a black girl killed herself, you know, and she's gonna be like, wow, like I can't do that. You know, black men getting shot by the cops and black women are hanging themselves or they're killing themselves. That's not okay. So when are they going to stop painting us as this horrible picture as animalistic and off the hinges and violent and dangerous? You know, it's just, can you just say it how it is? Because I'm tired of you guys running in circles trying to justify why these things are happening. Yeah. Didi? I was going to say, like, kind of adding on to what you said, I don't even know who goes if they want to commit suicide in the woods to a forest. I mean, especially a child, too. Mm -hmm. I, I've never heard of that. The, the only thing I've heard of that is lynching. So I just feel like they're, I think they, they must think we're dumb because none of the dots are connecting. I agree. Okay, so we have one more story and it kind of piggybacks um, off of what you were talking about, Didi. Um, there was, Jada, do you have that last uh, newspaper clip? Thank you. Um, it was talking about these children wore these t-shirts to school um, and they were kept... Uh, I think either the first time they were sent home or no, no, they were made to just leave it up at the picture, please. Thank you. Um, they were made to turn their shirts inside out the first day. Um, and mom asked the school to provide her the dress code, uh, the policy about the dress code. 
it said nothing about these type of shirts being illegal or uh, uh, against school rules. Um, and they couldn't produce it for her. So she sent her children back to school in the same shirts. And two of them were punished. Uh, one had to spend his whole day in the office. Uh, the other one, I can't remember what his punishment was. Um, but again, we have these kids going to school in these shirts. And you can leave that up. Um, you have them going to school in these shirts and they're being punished for it, even though they are not going against the rules. And they said in the school's reason was it was political. This is politics. And mom's response was my son is eight. He doesn't understand politics. What's what say you guys should they have gotten in trouble for wearing these shirts? So you have white people walking around with American flags and the Confederate flags and stuff, but you're punishing an eight year old for wearing a black lives matter shirt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I just feel like, okay, one, clothes are a way to express yourself. So they should be able to do whatever they want if it doesn't go against your dress code. Two, Black Lives Matter is not like political. I don't really care what anybody says. It's a human rights issue. You know what I mean? It's literally mm-hmm. in, I don't know what it's the Constitution or human rights or whatever, you know, hypocrisy, all this the US has, but whatever that everybody has the right to life, liberty, and happiness. Mm-hmm. So someone saying their life matters is political now. Like it's it's more of a human rights issue and for them to just kind of be like, oh, it's politics. Oh, that makes us feel uncomfortable. That would only make you feel uncomfortable if you're a white supremacist. Like there's, I'm just that, yeah. And so just a little uh, uh, piece of this article, it said the student handbook makes no mention of politics when it comes to children's clothing. It says that sayings or logos on the shirts or tops should be in good taste and school appropriate. Any clothing or apparel that disrupts the learning process is prohibited. Um, The handbook as stipulating that principals have the final say on the appropriateness of dress. Does that change your opinion at all? Anaya, Janice, somebody. I was going to say, it doesn't change my opinion at all. And I feel like it's really disheartening that kids have to go through that because that's like one of us going to school with a BGSN shirt on or a BBSN shirt on. And a teacher being like, oh, y'all got to take that off. Y'all can't wear that on my campus or, you know, trade us into the little locker clothes that they give kids when they dress code them. Like, that's very disheartening because it's just... If you didn't want us to wear the clothes we wanted to express ourselves, then you guys would have us wear uniforms. So, because we don't wear uniforms, that means we could wear things that express ourselves. It's not like we're walking around on school with a shirt that has a gun on it or somebody flipping you off. No, it's simply saying Black Lives Matter. We're important. So, the fact that kids are trying to, you know, say that they matter, especially when they're young and just seeing the life that they live in and trying to endeavor and, you know, actually comprehend the world that they live in. Like, things like that is good. They need to be affirmed, which is why it's so important that we need principals and our type of people in those positions to say, if it's up to the principal, then there should be a Black principal teaching at schools like that, especially if schools with the population where most of the kids there are Black. I agree, and I agree with Miss Tawana as well. Um, they don't want white students uncomfortable. Or I will go a step further. They don't want white administrators and teachers uncomfortable. Let's be clear. They, I don't even think it's about the students, but I wanted to be, I just wanted to clear up really quick um, the punishment. So her oldest, the sixth grader uh, was not disciplined for his shirt. Bentley, 
was required to sit in the school's main office missing recess and eating lunch with his peers. Rodney, a kindergartner, was forced to sit in the school's office until the end of the school day. We send it sitting kindergartners in the in the office all day for a shirt. It's an, it's insane. So, uh, I I I I I just I can't. <laughs> and and I would have made so so much of a bigger deal um, because when they talk about opening these schools, they talk about learning loss. He lost some some of his education that day sitting in the office because people didn't like his shirt. It's ridiculous. And so if he would have uh, acted out because he thought it was unfair, because it is unfair, then he would have gotten an even bigger punishment. And it starts off as these little ticky-tack things and they morph into other things. So I just want to be clear um, that if it's not a violation, people need to back on up. Just back up. Let let, let these kids live um, because you might meet an advocate like me one day. Anyway. So we'll transition right now. Um, we are talking about bleaching the books. This is another thing that was done for their comfort level so that they, um, those, the majority of those uh, in charge of our school system, so that they can see themselves as victorious. So um, Didi, this was your topic that you wanted to cover. So why don't you go ahead and kind of tell us why you thought it was important for us to talk about this particular topic now? Yeah, so I think it's really important, you know, how we're seeing, especially in California, about all the stuff with, like, ethnic studies and all that, um, how it's starting to become optional, you know what I mean, like we were saying before, and it's also kind of like, even if we do have ethnic studies, even if we're learning about, you know, all people that aren't white or whatever, or that usually aren't represented, then, I mean, students are still learning, like, whitewash history, you know what I mean, we're supposed to learn history to understand the past we're supposed to learn history to understand problems of the past but if we're just whitewashing history and we're not even learning about those problems and all this stuff it just negates the whole purpose and it does more harm than good so yeah that's what i kind of i kind of want to talk about it um so yeah okay so for you all who are still in school um can you give me an example of something you've seen in your textbooks that has caused you quite um concern um, in terms of, you know, that it's not true, but the way that they're presenting the information, um, it's as if it's, you know, the truth or the reality. Have you seen anything in your textbooks that has you kind of side-eyeing? I feel like it's about what I don't see in my textbooks because in my textbooks, we see everything about how things came to be based on their side of the story. So it's more so, okay, well, black people weren't just dropped on the earth in like the 2000s or the 1900s. Like, so where, where were we at when y'all was talking about all these things being built, all these things coming to part? It's as if black people, they just dropped us on this earth and like, okay, my grandma was born like around like the 1800s, like her great grandparents. I think that was the one. Yeah. So like they just dropped us here in the 1800s and then, you know, then things started to evolve and everything was built when they got here. Like what? It's ridiculous. Like we don't see a lot of things pertaining to black people. It's just like white people built America. It was the natives land. White people stole it from the natives and you know, the white people, they just built it on their backs. 
they did it all and we hear about slavery and stuff like that but they barely talk about that because it's just like it's an uncomfortable conversation and they get backlash especially from students like me because it's just like are my is the only thing my ancestors did was be a slave i know that's not true yeah and it's not even that um the white people and they don't even mention the Native Americans in our history. It's just the white people came here and, you know, we we hiked and we walked all along this area and we founded it and it's ours now. There was no complications. There was no one else there. It's like, oh, look at this land. Okay, yes, let's make it America. Like, And we know very well that that's not how it works. But, you know, they just make it seem like we just trotted along here and we got our stuff and, oh, look what we got. It's amazing. It's great. Like, they 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 make it so they candy coat it they sugarcoat everything to make it our our white um saviors our white um builders and everything our great like white counterparts and we're like no that's i don't think that's how it works um but you know not a lot of people will go into history like i don't think that this is exactly how it is a lot of people are like oh i learned it so it's right yeah like no that's not how it is so you don't think that people question what they're reading enough? Is that what you're saying? You, no, you just, of course not. I, right. I think they build us, for example, let's go. Well, I, I can take the example from the Black boys and how that wearing their Black Lives Matter shirts got um, two of her sons in trouble. They had to sit out. So I feel like they start us early. Kindergarten, you see the, the younger kids, they start us early. They start to make us complacent, especially when it comes to schooling. Stand in a straight line. When you guys are going somewhere, straight line. Someone gets out of line, it's a problem. So they start to make us complacent during our grade school. So then once we make it into high school, then it's just like high school and middle school is more so like, okay, well, I spent my whole learning experience of being quiet, not talking when the teacher's talking, because then as a black student, we're called disrespectful when we ask questions. We're called being a disruption to the classroom when we ask questions and when we're being intuitive. So they start us young, make us complacent. So then when we get in these positions, the kids who don't know or don't have people to advocate for them, like Miss Lorene, like Jada, or like um, J Jordan, they are just like more so like, okay, well, I don't think it's okay for me to speak out. So I'm just going to be quiet because that's what I've been taught my whole life. And that's why people like us are here to tell y'all that you guys are supposed to speak up. You guys have to ask questions when you need to, because if you don't, then who's going to? If you don't, you'll never know because a closed mouth will never, ever get fed. And open mouths don't get fed either. They just put you out of class, but I digress. Didi, you were going to say something? Oh, yeah, like, I don't know, like, I just find, like, even when I be reading my textbooks, they really be contradicting themselves. Like, you don't even know what's true at this point. Like, <laughs> this, is a, this is an AP textbook, too, right? So they got no excuses, like, no, like, low-budget funding, like, no excuses. And it was like, okay, um, Africans sold, like, their, themselves into slavery. Okay. Fast forward a few chapters, and then it's like this, west african king going on a whole thing about how his people are stolen from him he's gonna get his people back that's what he vows to do so i'm like which one is it <laughs> so i just i it's like i'm not even learning history anymore i'm just learning contradictions so yeah sorry i'm like it's so it's funny <laughs> i see anaya and lex unmuted what's up yeah, so I have an example about, it wasn't in the history textbook. It was like when I was in like first or second grade. And like Denise said, starting us young, teaching wrong things young. So my teacher was like, yeah, Christopher Columbus, he founded America. The white people were the first people here. And then she goes, well, that's not true, but you guys are going to learn the truth later. 
why not tell me the truth now? Like, why do I have to wait until I'm older? Because then if you tell me lies when I'm young, that's when kids learn the most when they're young. And then they think, oh, Christopher Columbus, he's the first here. He, he was the first person here. So now everything I learned after that, it's like, no, it's a lie. Because this is what I learned when I was little. So now this is what I believe. Mm. So you, what I hear is that you guys are talking about programming. So you're being programmed at a young age to just believe what people are telling you without the benefit of being able to ask questions because you're looked upon as a disruption to class. Is that what I heard you say, Janice? 100% to the T. Okay. <laughs> Melissa, um, do you think that that's accurate or would you push back on that? Do you think that um, they start early um, kind of indoctrinating you to be like this robot instead of an inquisitive human being? Yeah, I think they definitely do. And then there's stereotypes, you know, society has certain stereotypes for us as black people. You know, if you're a boy or a young man, society and stereotypes think you can only be a rapper, an athlete, or you're going to prison, right? And so when you can really be so much more, the Obamas are perfect examples of how much more we as black people can become and we need more role models and examples like that. But school and society doesn't want us to be like that. So I think they definitely do pro us to be dumber than we are when we're younger and not to question things so we don't become great hmm. then it's like when we see people in positions it's just like they don't talk or speak of the people in like positions to where it's just like when people and like for example when obama was being elected for president and stuff like that i don't really hear about him in school but then here comes trump into office and my teachers oh my god let's read this article about the new president or when they enlisted biden oh my god let's read the article about biden and the presidential election and have you guys been keeping up with stuff like that so it's just like they want us to look up to and see that there are only white people, I would say the white man in those specific positions, and then they discredit us with all the schooling that they give to us. So then it's just like, when we're looking around, we're just like, what more can I do? What more can I be? Especially for the young men in school, because if they're they're very quiet. Like I've never really met had a classroom to where one of my black peers, my black male peers, were actually very intuitive and questioning because it's just like they weren't into the assignment. Like there wasn't nothing pertaining to them, nothing reflected at them, their history, people who look like them. So it's just like, okay, what am I doing sitting here? And then when we do ask questions, we really get kicked out of class. Like I remember seeing my black my black male classmates being kicked out of class just for asking a simple question or raising their hand like teacher i need help because it's just like they're quiet for so long and then when they need help they're just like i need help like i need help and then she's oh my gosh you're being disruptive um please go to ocs or you know they act like they're the boy is scared of them maybe because it's a black boy our black boys are tall and they're like oh my gosh yeah go to ocs go to on-campus suspension um spend the rest of your day in there and then they miss out on the module then their grades start slipping then they want to barely even call parents, but they're quick to send the letters to our house talking about some, your children has missed this amount of class, and if your children doesn't make up these assignments, then yada, 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 yada. Go ahead, who was that? So I have an example of that. My brother, I don't think he got kicked out of class, but he was in an avid class in like seventh grade at a school, and he was failing the class. So my mom went to the teacher and said, okay, why is my son failing? Why haven't you told me he was failing? And she goes, oh, I didn't realize he was failing. I didn't know how bad his grade was. How do you not know how bad your own student's grade is when you put the grades in the grade book? It, it doesn't make sense.
So then my mom had a meeting with them and she was like, you're, you're, you're lucky I'm not one of these other parents because I would have gone on you. And she was like, well, what do you mean by that? And she's like, you, you, don't, you don't even want to find out. And then the principal was like, I'll, I'll explain it to you. So I don't know if that teacher's at the school, but yeah. Well, I mean, I heard a couple things in what you guys are saying. Uh, Janice, you said that the boys that have been in your class have been quiet. Um, but then you also said that the moment that they say they need help, they're kicked out of class. So is it that they've learned that if they speak up, that they will be kicked out? Because, I mean, and I, of course, I can't have you just know because you're not them, right? But based on your story, would you say that they didn't speak up because they were afraid of kick, go, being kicked out or they know that they're going to be kicked out for asking a question? I feel like, especially during certain times, depending on the person, because some kids, I, I knew some boys in school to where it was just like, they didn't understand schooling. And because they didn't ask questions, it was hard for them to comprehend and get by. So it's just like, okay, I need to get out of class. And then when they would ask to use the bathroom, the teacher would say no. So they would be like, okay, I have a question. I have a question. I have a question. And then she'd be like, oh my gosh, you guys are, you're being disruptive. Okay, go get out of class. You're being disruptive. Go see this, this specific teacher on campus, go to OCS. So then it was just like, okay, well, I wanted to get out of class. That's how I'm going to do it. Attempting to ask a question was what some students that I used to know, what they used to get out of class. And then there was the students who it was just like, they had questions, but instead of going to the teacher, they were going to their peers. Like I've had kids come to me and talk to me like, okay, hey, like, Janine, did you get the homework? Or, you know, do you know a teacher that can help me out with the homework and stuff like that? Because of the fact that our teachers were not that supportive at all. And then when it came to us asking them questions or trying to ask them after class, oh, I got to go, especially when school was back in, oh, I have to go, I'm getting ready. I have a meeting to go to as if me and accomplishing my grade heights isn't as important as the meeting that you're going to with the staff where you're going to talk about children and your students and I'm one of them. Mm. So how do you think that translates in terms of when we're talking about bleaching the books and I think you guys have have said it already how does that translate into your wanting to be on campus in these schools? Does it affect your desire to want to be there um, based on the books that you are being given to read or decipher or crack the code? Yes, because going back to what Janice said, when when they talk about black black history, it makes other people uncomfortable. But for me, like when they only talk about slavery, it makes me uncomfortable because everybody else in the class looks at the black people. Like it's something I did. Like it's something I personally went through. Like, oh, slavery? Yep, that's you. So it's like, mm -hmm. it makes me want to be at school less. And like in seventh or eighth grade, I told my mom every day, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to be here. They don't care about me. They don't care about us. And before you move on, why did you think that though? Because it's like, if I don't, if all they teach me is how people who look like me were put down and how we have no accomplishments, it's like, well, I feel like since you think that way about them, what do you think about me? Mm. So it's like, I don't want to be here around you people. Gotcha. Melissa, were you going to say something? Was that? Yeah, I agree with Anaya. I've had that same thing. We did a whole lesson in slavery in eighth grade last year. And, you know, I've always gotten the stares like, oh, slavery, that's you. And it's like, no, that's not me. That's 
my oppression, you know, that's what causes some of the struggles that we have now. But that isn't, I don't want to just be defined as, you know, my ancestors were slaves. You know, we've done so many other things that school doesn't teach us about, you know, we built we built this entire country, you know, and then they want to come and try and steal our culture, you know, our music, our hairstyles, our food, but they want to be us, but without the struggle. Oh, and come on now. I'm agreeing with you. Keep going, mama. Yeah, it's like, you know, we built this country, we built the capital, we're never getting given credit for the things that we do, even now, you know. Um, you have people on TikTok, black people, black dancers who are getting their content stolen, promoted by a white person, and she gets all the credit. And we're sitting here, you know, we our stuff is stolen. And I know social media isn't like important, important, but it's still the fact that our things are getting stolen, you know, and they want to be us without the struggle, like I said, but they don't even teach us about the struggle. They teach just about slavery. They don't teach about the the rawness of slavery, what really happened. Oh, they were just brought over from Africa and now we're here. No, they didn't talk about we were raped and all of these other things that happened that they don't want to talk about. And they don't talk about the struggle and the struggle that we still go through. They want to make it seem like we've had so much progress and we haven't. We're still here. Like Anaya was saying, we're still here and we're still feeling uncomfortable, but no one wants to talk about it. And the stolen, let's talk about how they have men in prison working to build the things that they don't want to pay to get made and then they act as if it came from a manufacturer or they act as if it's been made by a company knowing doggone well they have the prisoners in there that they pay mm. like 25 cents an hour in prison you're paying men that to build things that people charge thousands of dollars to build quality and all of that and they're in prison doing that for you and y'all get out here and act like y'all leave the prison cells and act like it's not uh, horrendous and it's terrible that y'all are doing this to these people and y'all act like it's okay and it's very sickening and it's very disheartening because people like companies like they profit off of it like gas companies and other things they profit off of the prison system so it's just like it's a system that's beneficial to the white man but it's just like and it's beneficial to some black people so they don't want to disrupt it but it needs to be disrupted because it's very painful the fact that y'all have prisoners in the system doing things barely for free like 23 cents an hour that adds up over time but are you serious when a minimum wage in sacramento for kids to work teenagers make 14 dollars an hour and you're trying to play this black man 23 cents an hour to build things when we get paid 14 dollars an hour to sit and you know bring people up and you know do simplistic things it's ridiculous mm. No, don't even get it twisted, though, because slavery is still legal if you're in prison. So they don't even got to pay that 23 cents. They can be paying you zero dollars. You can work all all your life. No, it's it's really screwed up, especially like all this stuff. Like you can um, be a firefighter when you're in prison, you know, like doing work or whatever. But you can't do it when you come to the real world. You know what I mean? Because you're you know, because you were got convicted of something and then. Um, I can't remember, it's a stat, I can't remember if it's black men or just black people in general, but there's like more, the same amount, or I believe there's more um, black people or black men, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, in prison right now than there were in slavery. So, mm. so, and we still have the whole 13th Amendment thing of slavery still legal. Oh, what, what is the, what... Uh, it's obviously happening for a reason you know slavery never ended there was never an emancipation day for black people so 
Yeah. And you see, it. the problem is our history books. It's our history. Because <laughs> you know what? They're teaching it like it's over and ended and we got saved and this is not happening anymore. But maybe if it wasn't all about money, things would change because we all know money is the biggest motivator for people, right? And so, you know, our textbook companies, they're making our books less controversial. They're not bringing our issues into these books because they want to put more of our books out there and they want to make more money. So they're like, oh, we're going to exclude all of this because I know our teachers in our schools aren't going to teach that. So they're going to be like, okay, let's simple it down to the most so no one will make any noise or racket about it. Then they put us in the classrooms. We have these books. The teachers teach us that. We all go outside, you know, we go on with our lives and we're thinking, oh, slavery's over, the civil rights movement, black people are equal, you know, all of this. And it just never stops because no one's teaching us anything. No, and I just wanna like, going off what you said too, they don't not only act like we're saved, they act like the white man saved us, feel me? Lincoln did not, no, Lincoln did not feel like black people are equal. I'm having this huge revelation and I'm not a witness anymore. Uh, okay, that never happened, first of all. Second of all, shoot, I'm going to say something important. Sorry, y'all, someone else go. I'm going to go it. So go ahead, go ahead, Janice. And let's bring up the fact about how teachers get so offended when we even try to, you know, attempt to digress what they're teaching or attempt to question what they're teaching, especially when it comes to history, because a history teacher will go back and forth with you about how what's in this textbook is right and how ain't nothing else wrong and how, you know, and then when it gets to being deeper, then it's just like, Oh, well, that's above my pay grade. Class is over. Goodbye, everybody. And then they wonder, they wonder why, oh my gosh, can you guys come back on campus? Like, we need you guys on campus. Like, you know, come back. It's an experience. Like, we need y'all. Like, no, it's not an experience at all because then y'all have more freedom to do what y'all want and disrespect us when we're on campus. Like, I remember being on Zoom and hearing my teacher talk to the kids in the class, remembering how when I was in school, my teachers used to yell at me. Like I remember being in math class when I was an eighth grader and my teacher screaming at us and screaming at me specifically for asking questions. Like I remember him yelling at me directly, standing up, screaming at me, and I'm standing up too because you're not gonna yell at me, you grown man. And it's just like, these teachers are crazy. And then they want us to come back to campus as if it's all good and sweet. Like, no, I hate having to be the kid to where it's just like, I have to sit here and argue with my teacher, but it's just like, they put me in the position to where I have to. Cause when I'm at school, my mom ain't right here for me to be like, mom on FaceTime, like, do you hear him talking to me? No, put your phone away. May you please put your phone away? It's a lesson. Have your phone in your backpack. Um, and they go sit there and yell at us. And there's no eyes to see because the kids in the class, they just act like they don't see it. They be acting like, oh, it ain't my problem. But then when it's me missing out on the lesson and me getting a poor grade on the assignment, it's so ridiculous. And then when it comes to the teaching and like what they teach us in the assignments, I don't even pay attention. It's just more so, okay, let me fill this out to get this right. Cause I don't believe nothing that they're telling us, especially when it comes to history. Like you want me to actually comprehend this information? Like it's all false. I'm just gonna write it down, do what you tell me to do and move on. And it's sad because they really bleach our books and they expect us to succeed the way they want us to succeed. Mm. Now, do you think it's, do you think it's a, um, a thing of, they've learned this information and they've internalized it for so long that anything that that is contrary to what they learned 
is a is a, is basically an affront to you're telling them they're dumb, right? Because they're just telling you what they learned. And so it must be true because they learned it. So do you think that maybe um, teachers are just kind of stuck because this is how they learned and what they learned and they think they take it as the truth? Could that be it? And Didi, I think you were going to say something. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like it's that one thing, but I also feel like white people, white teachers, whatever, um, are get very uncomfortable about black liberation, about like black people actually doing something or anything like that. Um, so I feel like they're also just uncomfortable having to really talk about their history, you know, their role in white supremacy still today. You know what I mean? I think they get very uncomfortable about talking about that. So it's kind of just like, eh, let's move to the side. Also kind of going off what Lex said um, earlier, I remember what I was going to say, okay. uh, you were talking about um, how like they try to make it so this like it's this whole neutral book and stuff. But I honestly think like no, no history is neutral. It's either one way or the other. Like it's not it's not neutral. So I think we should push away from that. You know, even when we're like our history books right now, it's pushing this ideology that white people created the entire world. They're pushing this ideology that white people were just the, you know, kind of like not the end all be all, I guess like the first all be all, whatever, um, you know, because they're, that's only what we're talking. That's the only thing we talk about. So yeah, I just don't think schools are like, oh, this is neutral, but this is not neutral. You know, you're teaching, you're not letting black students or Latinx students or anybody learn about themselves. What is neutral about that? So. And so you know, me- maybe if they, sorry. Um, maybe if they taught history, right, we wouldn't even need an ethnic study class, you know, maybe if they actually said, let's get everyone up in this book right here, it would be different, you know, if they're like, let's not be um, one side, let's not focus on our white people, let's not focus on this one part of history, because um, not only are they denying us our history, but they're invalidating it, because they're like, because they're making it one small thing. And there's also other people, but I know we're just focusing on us, our Black people, but you know, there's other people that have no history at all. Like I cannot tell you about a majority of the other races, but we won't get into that. But still, we wouldn't need, we wouldn't have such a drive for this, this, these ethnic study courses if we had the right history being taught to us. And I think they're like, why are you asking for this? You already have your history class. Maybe if that was correct, we wouldn't be out here fighting for these other classes right now. If you had the your systems right, we wouldn't be out here fighting for equality and Black Lives Matter. You know, look at the problems and where they're coming from. Because right now we're asking for compromises. We're not asking for you guys to literally go in and dig everything up. We're just trying to get ourselves up there. Um, and they're seeing that as us trying to change the whole world right now. We're making compromises right now for us where there shouldn't even be compromises. So it's like, yeah. And I, the biggest thing now is you're, you're hearing a lot of talk about critical race theory, right? A lot of, a lot of, a lot of white tears, uh, because they don't want critical race theory taught to their children because, you know, they need to le- learn the read and write and arithmetic. You know, they, we need to go back to the basics. They don't want to t- you to talk about the true and nothing but the truth. The problem is a lot of these doggone people in these districts lie. And they lie, they cover up, they don't want to address things as they are. Um, they gaslight, um, they talk about things, um, they want to restart the clock so they don't have to put in corrective actions. And so when we're talking about you guys and wanting to fight for things like ethnic studies, you're right. If they did it right the first time, these extra things wouldn't need to be the supplement, right? And so, I mean, Really quickly, because I know we're running out of time pretty quick here. 
can anybody tell me and 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 maybe all of you can think of one thing that you've learned outside of school that you didn't know that contributed that black people contributed to give me some inventions give me something that you learned about that you are proud about melissa who's that who's that naya go ahead naya so i was gonna say that i learned about fred hampton on my own because i saw a book in um, a black bookstore and Mm -hmm. i was like oh fred hampton like i heard his name never learned about him don't know what he did until I read mm-hmm. the book and it was like, oh, he was assassinated by the Chicago police and the FBI. Like I, I knew that, but I mm-hmm. I didn't know like, oh, who was he? What did he do? And he was he was like 20 or 21 when he was killed for, yeah. for speaking about injustices. Okay. So the one thing you learned about was that Fred Hampton was speaking about injustices and he died at 21. What did no, you I learn? Just learned about, I just learned about him in general that like he was oh, a person. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know him. And then Got I was you. like, Fred Hampton, like, who is that? And Got I was like, you. oh. All right, all right. Anybody else? Who has one? I have one. I have learned about um, like 4th of July, Independence Day, that, you know, we were not really free. And that was something I did not know about and started doing my own research on. And it really frustrated me because, you know, like, black people when we celebrate holidays we go really hard and you know we've got the decorations and the big old christmas tree for christmas and the the big fireworks for fourth of july when really that's not our holiday we were not free and so you know it's frustrating when they really try and push the the market tries to push for everyone to participate in a holiday that only affects white people you know we weren't free free-ish free-ish because we're still not free free free-ish until 1865 you know so it's just that's one thing that i learned okay Didi. well sorry real quick i know i'm like putting in little things with every single person's comment but even even like melissa adding on to what you said about fourth july was even just like so just a slap in the face too oh they wanted their independence because you y'all heard about um basically haiti was like the first country um to be ever like overthrown the enslaved people overthrown it and they like still live there today all this stuff anywho basically the french like played a big part in that of being like okay you guys are emancipated now and stuff so they so the people um the colonizers you know because they created the colony or whatever that came here they were like oh shoot we don't want them dealing with you know like saying oh these people need to be emancipated now because there were this whole ideals of the enlightenment spreading in france spreading around europe that's a conversation for another day though um but so they were like oh we need our independence so we can keep these black people in chains and they can't do anything about it so mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's really like it wasn't even like even like we were you know like like you were saying we weren't free this whole purpose of this whole independence day would make sure we were um just even even in deeper chains but anywho um oh sorry go ahead no you go ahead mama i'm listening Oh, I was going to say the history thing I learned. Um, Mansa Musa, I think that's all. He's really important, just the world in general. Um, he was the richest man to ever live, like, period. Like, even today, even with Jeff Bezos, you know, the huge capitalist and all this stuff. Like, he's still the richest man to ever live. Um, he was the king. He was the king of Mali, which is was in, well, was, was in West Africa. And um, yeah, he was just really important to also, um, I did some research too about how like slavery started and stuff like that, but that's mm-hmm. a conversation for another day. But yeah, he's very important. 
So, and yeah. I'd like for y'all to uh, look into that Mansa Musa and really look into how he gained his wealth. Because just because somebody was the richest don't mean they were the greatest either, because I believe he owned slaves. So we have to look into things just a little bit more, um, just not on the surface. Um, Janice, one thing that you learned. I think I could say one thing that I've learned. I've learned a few things. Like growing up, like I'd say something about my textbook. My grandma would be like, that's not true. Blank and blank and so and so and so correct collect um um corrected what's the word made that and I'd be like but my teacher told me they made that she's like no it was a black person baby um so I've learned um ironing boards were made by were created by black people I also heard of like lights and like how lights mm -hmm. came to be. they mm -hmm. were created by black people and. Mm -hmm. uh, a whole bunch of other things, but those were the Give two me some more. What else? I'd say the stoplight, mm, the cell phone, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, the super soaker, water gun. Uh, there's a lot of things that we've done that you would never know. I mean, let's not act like Elvis didn't steal Chuck Berry style. Um, we can talk about a whole bunch of these folks and what, what they got famous off of from stealing from other people. And you guys mentioned the TikTok thing. So there's this black dude who actually uh, started a copyright business for, for choreographers so that they don't get their stuff taken. Um, but it's important that we really do our due diligence before we put yep the pacemaker thank you miss june rich 13 thank you and i know y'all got some more for us out there in comment land just keep um, putting them in, in the comments who was gonna say peanut butter as well peanut butter peanut butter mm-hmm mm -hmm. see look miss june is on it peanut butter hey do it <laughs> so it's, it's just important that you know um i think that what you guys are asking for is just not to be relegated to a subservient position to just only learn about slavery because we are much more than that. I would also submit that black people are not a monolith. Um, there are a lot of black folks from different places, not just the United States of America. And so I think that it's important that we know that, um, that just because uh, they skin folk don't mean they kin folk, and we gotta be, we gotta understand that too, because y'all got a lot of skin folk in these school districts that are worried about themselves and not worried about the children they're supposed to be serving, and we gotta talk about that too. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on that. I'm feeling petty. Um, maybe we can talk about that too, because I think that a lot of times when we do these this type of show. A lot of folks just want to think that our, our judgment or our side eye are just reserved for white folks. No, it's non-black folks, period. And those include some black people and they can get it too. Um, because we have to be willing to tell the truth, um, no matter how uncomfortable it may be for people, because I think that's the only way um, that we get to where we need to go, um, especially in, in these schools and with them having um, access to you all. Uh, I'm very, very particular about who you all have, who has access to you. And if they're not going to do right by you, we don't need them to have access to you. And so I, I think that we, we need to be more um, demanding when it comes to the things that you all need. You need to be more open and more willing to share those things. Um, because if you don't tell them, they will say they don't know. 
and it's important for you guys to use your voices. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, Miss Janice and Miss Trinity who uh, came through the last Elk Grove Unified School Board and, and put their comments on record. Super, super proud of you guys. Uh, I need to hear from the rest of y'all. Y'all got y'all got schools in your area. Um, y'all need to be on that uh, on that microphone that was invented by us. Y'all need to be on the microphone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that that you know our issues can get on 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 their radar because for so long these schools will tell you we don't know we don't hear from our black students and we want to put that myth to bed. So I need y'all to get active uh, on on those comments. Um, number two. I wanted to uh, just mention a couple of things quickly. So BYLP is having a celebration weekend uh, to honor our class of 2021. That's the Black Prom and Black Grad. Uh, tickets are available now. Um, so go ahead and copy your tickets for that. Also, um, I know our newsletter is going to go out in a couple of days, hopefully in tomorrow. Um, but we'll get that information out to all of you who have subscribed uh, to our newsletter. Um, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, where can they find us on the podcast, ladies? Somebody tell them, somebody tell them. Apple Music, y'all can find us on Spotify, y'all can find us on YouTube, and y'all can stream us live on Facebook. Look, come on now. That's right. Get them announcements in. But I think it's Apple Podcasts. I don't know if we on Apple Music. Are we on Apple Music too? That's right. We Apple on Apple Podcasts. I know. Just, you know, correct her. Correct her. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Janice. Um, and then for our seniors, we know that you guys are, you know, you, senioritis has has stepped in. Y'all are, are trying to be gone without finishing up uh, strong. So we want to make sure that you guys stay on top of your grades. If you need help, reach out to somebody so that they can help you. I'm looking at Lex right now as she's looking at the sky. Y'all help your seniors, encourage your seniors to finish strong. We don't want nobody falling through the cracks, especially when we know that they're capable of getting through this time. So Lex has about, I don't know, three, four weeks left um, in school. Um, Y'all get on Lex, send her messages daily. Ask her, did she turn in her, her assignments? Ask her, did she get screamed on by her parents yet? <laughs> help Lex out. Lex is our only senior, and we got to make sure that Lex finishes strong. So make sure you uh, encourage Lex, and, and we as a group can push her and can support her um, in this transition. So ladies, uh, we done got through a whole nother episode. I want to thank y'all for your time. What 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 you got your finger on? Um, you I wanted to I don't know if that was a loser or what what are you doing? <laughs> I just What's wanted to put because I know we were talking about how we wanted to say, you know, we want to talk about how we need to be up here saying this is our history. Um if you go on to BYP's YouTube, actually there's three videos. Melissa, Janice, and I all spoke um to the Board of Education about why black history is our history. If you guys want to check it out, it would be amazing and you know get your voices out there and if you would like to be a guest on our podcast just shoot us a me uh, email what's our email what's our email is it podcast podcast at bylp.org so if you want to join us as a guest on one of our episodes please email us at podcast at bylp.org and we will get you scheduled to come on and have your voice heard too this is y'all's platform i'm just here uh, to make sure anybody with some smoke uh, has a target. 
um, because I want them to know that we are very, very intentional about making sure you're protected yet empowered to use your voices. So um, with that, ladies, look, we even finishing probably 45 seconds early. So with that, we're going to hit them with that good wave. We're going to ask them to join us next Monday at four o'clock right here on Facebook. Oh, Melissa just reminded me. If, in fact, you all are interested in getting one of these fabulous T-shirts, they are available on our website. Um, you can find them on our podcast uh, page. So I think that's bylp.org slash the podcast. Um, I think that's what it is. Hopefully it is. If not, just go over to the media section and click on the podcast and you should find the link to donate. You just click on the t-shirt and it will take you right there. So without further ado, we're just going to hit them with that wave because I already said bye twice. Uh, we'll see y'all next Monday, uh, four o'clock right here. Same bat time, same bad channel right here from Elk Grove. Wakanda Elk Grove.